Hash Hash and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we are going down under to New Zealand in Auckland. <laughs> now we're filming this before the world interhash. So you may meet this guy. If you go into the interhash or you've gone to Kiwi Nash hashes or you just hashed around the world, you may have met this guy. You'll see him at interhash. Welcome today on the podcast, longtime hasher from Auckland today. It's Violet. Hi, Violet. Hi, how are you, Rod? Great. Violet, let's tell everybody your hashing origin story. When, where, and how did you get to your first hash? Ah, yes. My first hash was a, a brand new hash as well. So I was actually a co, I wasn't the brains behind it, but they asked us to come over and have a, a beer and some good cooked meat. And that sounded pretty good. And then the guy explained what hashing was all about. He had come from KL. And so he had this idea and it was a wonderful party. And that was the start of the hash. There were 15 of us there. And so we're the founding members. Um, when and where? Yeah. When and where? It was 1986, I reckon, probably about January. In Yaoundé, it's the capital of Cameroon. Cameroon, was this all expats? Was it French-speaking, English-speaking? Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Initially, the first 15 were expats. Uh, later, as soon as people understood it, then people brought along friends of theirs who knew that they'd like this sort of thing. But yes, expats and, and diplomats. Was the circle and the singing all in English? Did it stay that way, even with the local language? It stayed that way, yeah. It was definitely an English one. We had a few Frenchmen. Cameroon is bilingual. English and French were allowed to be used at any time, and people were allowed to talk and their choice and the, you can answer in your choice. What were you doing in Cameroon then in 86? I was working with the American Save the Children. I was their deputy uh, director. What was the environment like for a group like the hash with public drinking, singing, partying, how the community reacted? You stay underground or what was it like? It was, it was, that was very open. This is Africa and Cameroon at the time was the most consumption of champagne in the world per capita. Every little government place had a fridge in their office with champagne in there, a good French champagne, of course. So they were perfectly open to drinking. And of course, there was also the local bevy as well, but really we had no problem and we could run through villages and they were delighted. That was uh, something interesting to see. And of course, not always were we wearing the straightforward clothing. We were sometimes wearing whatever the season was. The founding driving force, a guy coming from KL means he may have come from a hash that was all men, a hash that didn't have singing, a hash that didn't have hash names. What were the traditions at the beginning there? Yeah, it's a good question. Since at that time, of course, I wouldn't have noticed that, but yeah, he, he wore his sarong after the run and it was one of the KL sarong. So that was a little unusual because Cameroon men don't wear sarongs there for sure, but the runs there, the songs, yes, he tried to, he had another partner, he was an American, but this other partner was a Brit and he had been running in other places too. So they, they did bring on a little bit. And so we had, we had the songs eventually too, but on the first one, I think it was principally a party explaining what it was all about and then asking, do we all want to be part of this thing? And they were delighted. And so 
we ran off and left the, this wonderful smelling meat cooking and got back very quickly. How much mismanagement was there that you figured out over time that there was a committee and things like that? Did you get involved? No, there's no committees. No, no, it was just these two guys operating it. And we somehow took terms and later. No, they seemed to know what they were doing and none of us knew what we were doing. And so we just picked it up as we went along. It was very interesting. We had to run every second week only because the ambassador's wives had to have their cups of teas and tea things. And they were horrified that the women were all going to the hash and not to their tea party. So they insisted that this was not going to work, except that the women hashes were upset because they were getting trouble from their own ambassadors and things. So we organized, all right, we'll do it every second week. But the other side of that was the ambassadors and their deputies came along to the run as well. What day of the week was it? What day of the week was it? Oh, it was Saturday. How long did you stay there in Cameroon once you started hashing? Ah, I stayed on for at least two more years there after I joined the hash. I'd already been there for uh, probably a year. By the time you left Cameroon, had you hashed anywhere else? No, there was no touring. Obviously, when we left, we went straight back to the to Washington, D.C., and we joined the Washington H4. Hash house areas and Harriet's. Yeah. yeah, that's a good hash. When I, I, I think hash you got wrong. It was the Harriet's and Harriers because they allowed us to come along. <laughs> First time I hashed there in the early 90s, I think, it was great to me coming from the desert where they ran through pavement city and there were so many parks and streams you would disappear into thicket it was a great place to run except for the poison so i learned to run in long socks then yeah mother must have been the dm was he then i don't he wasn't actually he always wore purple Yeah, years ago. I can't remember the time I dropped in there in the 90s. Who was in what? But what I do remember about that time when I just dropped in for a single run was they didn't have much of a circle. They went to someone's house to eat after trail. They did. That's true. Yeah. And yeah, they were imitating the men's hash, which of course, as I later joined, was very much like the early hashes. They didn't have much of a circle at all. And you, yes, and then you went to someone's place to eat afterwards. Who else did you hash with? How long did it take you to get to the other hashes? Of course, today there's more than seven hashes a week in DC. What was going on there? Yeah, yeah we joined that hash. Uh, my ex and I, uh, she was the diplomat and I was, I was working with, say, the children. We joined there, the H4 there, Washington H4, and there were others that we could join. And so I, we did join the white spot on the dark road or something, dark spot or white road. I'm not sure what it was. And the full moon hashes, the other ones, which are from time to time. We enjoyed the hashing there. And it was good to see all bits of Washington that you never see normally. And what about the traditions? Or would be a little bit different than Cameroon was and then each of those clubs. What did you end up developing? preferences and what you like most with hash runs? What did you like about hash? No, no, still really, we're, we're just surprised at how this worked around the world or this in another place. So we're watching pretty carefully. I've learned long ago, you don't burst into anything or make any suggestions or do any changes. 
or even make the suggestion. Most of them don't like it. You sit around waiting for a while before you come up with any bright ideas. Were you able to get involved in mismanagement there at any of the clubs? No, because I think they knew we were about to leave again. We were there for a year and then we took off again. My ex was reposted to Fiji. There'd been a coup in Fiji and a bloodless coup. They had hit on the, the, the U.S. messenger saying we had to carry the U.S. government doesn't approve of coups these days. And so he got a hard time and he asked to be left out. And so we went down there because I had known Fiji quite a bit beforehand. I have to ask you what year that was because coups yeah, back a few decades ago, they were not irregular in Fiji. So what year did you get to Fiji? Ah, that's a good question. I, 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 I could probably look up my CV and see that, but, uh, it must've been about 91 or something like that. Yeah. And what, and what was the hashing scene in Fiji then? Ah, it was going perfectly strongly, uh, coup or not coup. And there weren't nighttime, nobody was allowed out after six o'clock or something like that, but the hash was allowed out. And uh, because we had the head of the police running, it was an older hash. They were quite well established. Senior doctors were there and they were all Fijians. There was actually not so many expats and more locals, people, both European and Fijian mates who were there all the time who had lived there. Well organized. They knew where they had to go. We did party in people's homes. We did our on-ons, went back in someone's home. But, and they knew about the singing and everything else. And it was pretty wild, but it was all male. But because the, the coons, then the women came along, there was a woman's hash, but they joined in with us for the party at the end. They did their own little run somewhere else, but it was on the same night. I think for protection more than anything else. Oh, so then the men had a trail and the women had a trail, and then you had a kind of a joint on after. Yeah, which is often the case uh, that people were looking for partners as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's that. Okay, at that point, by the time you're hashing the, uh, through the end of your Fiji stay, had you hash traveled yet? From Fiji? Not, no. And I don't even know if there was one operating at, at the other end of the island. Uh, no, there was no talk of that at all. Another, just a moment. That time from Fiji. Yes, actually. I did. Yes, I, I went up to Pompeii and ran there on the Pompeii hash, uh, I think. And there were some, they weren't Marines, but they were the Civic Corps of Yami, special Civic. They were there. They were wild. And of course, they were enthusiastic and ran just Marines. They were. That was the first time I'd seen, if you catch the hair, you're allowed to take his pants and, uh, and, and you run on, et cetera. They lost there. And were you a front runner or mid-pack runner? What were you then? No, I've always been a mid-runner. I think that's what I like most of all, quite apart from the whole meeting people, instant, the instant family when you're moving around the world. But yeah, I like the idea of those checks. <laughs> and I was one of the ones who, I could run for the check easily, but I'd like to have a breather as well. <laughs> and if it was a good and day, did, then solo checks. Do you remember how you located the hash on your trip? That was around the time the internet was maybe not yet widespread. How did you find, do you know how you found yeah. it? Ponape. It was Ponape in Federated States of Micronesia. It's the oh, capital of how'd you find, how did you locate that hash? I'd been sent there. I was there working, advising the government on local development there. And indeed, oh, that was interesting. When I sent my CV, the guy who was 
from UNDP, I, I had to write in my CV and my last one of the things is, and uh, say, and what do you do in your social life? And I put, and it runs with the hash house areas. And he wrote back to me, he said, anyone who's willing to admit they run with the hash house areas must be a good guy. You're a hired. Obviously, I had to run on the hash anyhow. I, but I was happy to run it there. And where did you go next for postings? Ah, yes. Uh, let me see. To Fiji, back to the States for our language training at the Foreign Service Institute. I started running also with the White House Harriers, Hash House Harriers, and with their wonderful food trucks and beer trucks and things like this that they have, and met some of the wonderful people who are the, the characters of the runs and things like that. You know, beer, beer Force One, Beer Force One was the name of one of their beer trucks. Who were some of the people? Do you remember any of the people that were there on that stop? Let me see. Who, who was the person whose wife died in the... Oh, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, yes. Yeah, spinal Tap. And Hesha Humper, yeah, Hesha Humper. They were, because they were about my age at that time. And we were all young, of course, but moving around. It was very a job. And it was a wonderful, wild crowd there. They're all really nice people. We kept moving around a bit. So every three years, we'd be sent off to different places. But What language did you study in that stop in D.C.? Where were you headed? I was headed to Indonesia. So we had two years of language training with our own personal trainer. The government helped fund that, which is very good for me. Because that meant I learned as well. Yes, that was the next stop, Jakarta. What year about did you land in Jakarta? Because Jakarta had been going strong, men's hash, women's hash, everything. Where did you, when did you land? Yes, we must have, it must have been, I should have made a little thought. I, I had, I, I didn't keep an eye on these dates at all. We had probably three years. And so I don't have to go backwards. Oh gosh. Mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So we're definitely out in the nineties. So yeah, mid nineties is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. By then, it was, it was a, flourishing there. Yeah, they're very strong. And a lot of the Jakarta hashers travel to Pan Asia's to Interhash. How, did life hashing life change being in the middle of oh, all yes, of Asia? Yes. I think got in, Yeah, I got involved in the the. I became on set for uh, the Jakarta hash there. They were really enthusiastic. And I, I also joined the Batavia hash, which I have to admit was probably the smartest, cleverest hash that I've ever been on. And to this day is still, if I, if I was to say, what is my model hash, but it's all male, except on the fifth of week, there's a fifth Wednesday, then women could come along to the fifth Wednesday in, in the month. What made it uh, so good? Uh, what made it your favorite? It was unbelievably witty. They didn't laugh about jokes. They laughed about jokes and the very, the circles are very clear. They went on for a long time, of course, and they would get up to 90 down downs. And of course the down downs were all counted and they were in the 66 at Calais and the 69 and then all the threes and all the other things. And there were some big pops that you had to do. And of course, all the beer was delivered to us by the company's beer truck. And we had ladies to serve it to us. So you couldn't be caught in a circle. Without your your car full, that was another down down right there. Most of us had drivers that they had the hot water up on the top of the van. By the time you got back to the car, and people washed off and then went into the circle. And yeah, it was very clever. And of course, they had wonderful weekends away as well. They really knew how to organise. With Jakarta, 
that was also a wonderful singing hash and they did sing a lot there too. And but when I arrived in Jakarta, unfortunately my hash name was, my surname is Brown. And so of course I had been called Brown Eye at one stage. And when we got there, then there were one Brown Eye, he was a well-known person there. And so I couldn't have the same name as him. And so I got renamed. That's where I got the name. Violet, you're called. Do you remember why they picked Violet? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah, they were conscious that I had been brown eye. And so they were thinking of that and brown and then the normal thing. One of the songs there is Sweet Violet, sweeter than the roses, covered all over from head to toe, covered all over in Sweet Violets. And it has all the other verses, a long one. And the tradition there is if the person is called into the circle, who has a song name, they have to sing that song. It was quite a compliment to get a song name. And of course it went shit, brown, shit, violet. That's how the, how the logic went. So we got hash stuff, as I say, three steps away. Then when I went back to the uh, Jakarta hash on Monday, they said, oh, we can't have you like that. We got to call you violence. Uh, that but I did not like. I can't imagine where violence came from. It's the best they could do, which is, again, the difference between the wit between one of the different hashes. Sure. Everybody who's interhashed over the many decades met Brown Eye. was a great guy with some great stories. Who else was there? Oh, my gosh. Well, gosh, I, I can't remember the names now. That's a long, many years ago. I'm getting old. All right. We were... Doing a lot of away trips. Did you get to the regional hashes? Yeah. I went to the inner hash. Yeah. From Batavia, we traveled back. That was the first inter hash I went to and came back to Auckland, uh, back to Rotorua. So that was my first. So, so what you're saying, it sounds like you must have been in Jakarta in 1994 if you traveled to Rotorua for inner hash. There you go. Yes, that's absolutely true. So a big contingent went from Jakarta to Rotorua? Yeah, it's quite a big contingent of all the hashes, but uh, Batavi set one of the runs as well. And, and that was a, one of their traditions was to set a run as well. And that went on to other ones, uh, other hashes. So, so Rotorua was a great event, but probably bigger than anything you'd been to in the region. How did you like the giant size, a couple thousand people in Rotorua? Yeah, it was very well organized. Of course, it was my first. It was also the year that Cavero, uh, what's the tequila, they had introduced. They were just starting it to get New Zealanders and drinking this stuff. And as, as you probably know, they handed out free, five free things. And most of the Asians wouldn't touch them. So they passed them over us for a badge or something. So we happily swapped them and they were walking on the food vouchers and things. And of course, there was no problem with food anyhow. There was so much food there. No, I was very proud of the fact that New Zealand could do that because I had never, ever heard of the, I'd seen the hash in New Zealand, but I'd never run on it. So to this day, that was the first time I'd actually seen New Zealand hashes. It was great. I had no trouble there and the people looked after us. The police, of course helped us get home at night and things protected us from the taxi drivers who were rewarding us charging. Had you been to Rotorua yourself before? Oh yes. Yeah. As, as kids would camp and lakes and some of the hot water lakes and things like that around there. Yeah. No, I knew the area pretty well, not as a hasher for sure. And running up and down the streets, shouting loudly and things. Have you made the inner hashes since then? Has that been something 
Yes, I went to the one in Cyprus and that were in Batavia again, set the run to the giant penis run up the hill. And so I was then part of the organization of that as well. I'm delighted to see that everything was going strong, doing well. How long did you stay in Jakarta? We were there for four years. I, I was RA and Grand Jam Grandmaster of TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. There. I didn't establish it, but I was one of the early members of that too. And then as people went left, then I took over at each of these positions. So yeah, that was good. And by now you've got serious senior mismanagement into your blood. Where did you go next? Once you've done senior mismanagement, a lot of positions for a long while, is that something that you just say, this is me and where'd you go next? And what was your opportunities? Now at one stage, even when I was in, in, in the Jakarta men's hash, uh, and every week you produce these mugs. The, the jugs like this and of course and I'd, i had organized it got it well down so that it was all produced all but free of course because the breweries pay for it and getting the names done onto it so they were accurate but people would moan and say oh it's not the right name or it's not there so i had of course they, they put the name they think that guy did that engravers on and there was just complaining and complaining so at one stage i was sitting down in this management talking over our meeting i said it's Really tiring. And someone, wise person said to me, Alan, if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. And so I, you said, you're right. And the next meeting, I said, all right, I, I resign. And so I, I really moved down. But that was good, good day. Uh, not enjoy it. There's, there's no point. You're meant to be enjoying it somehow. I, have, I was mostly Batavia after that. And we got to Kuching Hesh, was the old Pan Pacific Hesh. And a few down in Bali as well. Oh, those were amazing. Just every time you go and you see just how well people organize things, it's, it impresses me immensely. And getting the hashes all to do the right thing, I find it extraordinary given who we all are. But so let me see, back from all language training, then, oh, we also acquired a son then. And so the son, oh, that was interesting. We were adopting a son. You didn't quite know when this was going to happen, it took over a year to do all the organization to get all the paperwork and things like this. They say, oh, we're going to, we're working on it. Of course, the very weekend they ring us up, we had organized a weekend away. My wife and I had, had organized a weekend away with everything there. We suddenly had to say, or you, you weren't going to say, no, we don't want to pick up this child you've just got. We went to this talk and we have photos of him. His first meeting with us almost is with a beer in his hand as well. And he, he, he was a good hasher for a long time, actually. But yeah, six months old and he was at his first hash right there on that. And we had to bring along a baggage so that we could be doing the work that we were meant to be doing as well. So that was an adoption in Indonesia? Yeah. Mm. Very rare. They don't allow it normally. It's almost a two-year gestation period. Wow. I, you went back to D.C., more language training. What language and where were you headed next? We headed to a Russian language there and just one year and headed to Kazakhstan. And what did you find there for hashing? Oh, there was a hash, but it, it ran. It's a Tian Shan hash, which is the name of the Himalayas on the northern side of the Himalayas. So it's actually the Chinese name for the Himalayas, Tian Shan. 
I think the Kazakhs had accepted it as that, the name as well. There was the Tianshan hash, but it only ran in summer. But it was very popular and, and well-organized. They had these beautiful party balls once a year, very well-organized and extraordinary efforts and things like that. And that was fell in line with what I'd seen in Jakarta. Uh, there was a, at that time, they had these massive balls there too, so to speak. And it worked very well, but it always seemed a little bit odd that they didn't run in, in winter. So eventually I was the RA for a long time there. And when the GM left, then we immediately established to run all day. Really? Yeah. And Almaty, where the capital was Almaty at the time, it's since moved. It's a beautiful place. Very nice there. Sun, not every day, but most days, but very cold. Of course, there's snow there, but running through the snow was beautiful. The problem was putting the flower. We tried yellow flower and, but unfortunately that looks like dog pee when that they pee. So you couldn't pick that out. We tried seeds and the, but the birds were all eating the seeds and secrets from the embassy was probably the safest thing, the, the ground ups. And at that stage, they weren't getting weird. So it was ground up paper mostly. You've been to, you've been to some of the off beaten track places, some of the major cities and some of these countries in the Pacific and Asia. Any run-ins with the authorities? A lot of these hashes had officials on them. Did you have any events with? White yeah. powder scares or anything like that. Yep. But if I could just back up, there was one interesting thing for at least of both for the Tianjin hash. We claim we had the highest run in the world, the highest hash in the world. At the Huawei's way, there is the uh, a mountain. It's one of the highest mountains for in the Russian area. So it's where they go for all their training, and it's before they're going to climb Mount Everest, and people go there. And so there's a, a base camp up there, up in the, on the plateau at about three and a half thousand meters. We decided we were going to have a hash there. We thought we were going to do the hash up on this base camp there and on the plateau, beautiful glacier, the sounds of crushing ice falling off the hill, a mountain. And to get up there, you had to get into an helicopter, a, an ex-Russian helicopter left after Glasnost. They're massive. They are I think only the Russians had these things at the time. America didn't, never had mountains to, to look after, but they had this old mountain range. They were beautiful machines and they'd left them at Klasnos. They'd been taken over by the locals who probably were the people who were flying them anyhow, but no money for the maintenance. We got there, we ran up and I think I worked out, it must've been at about three and a half thousand meters high. Yeah. In a helicopter. All of us running in a circle around them because it's a military thing, big enough to run around in a circle while the pilot is also passing back the vodka. So we drank all the vodka we had taken. We got up to the base camp and drank all the vodka dry up there. And they didn't mind because they laughed. They said, there'll be another delivery tomorrow. These things fly up at that time, once a day, I think with, with more deliveries. So yeah, that, and there would have been. 25 people in the helicopter. So there was a lot of people to witness this. And we think it might have been the highest. Uh, we're going for any special as well. Uh, La, pa La Paz, Bolivia always said they were the highest regular meeting hash. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's probably uh, true. That's, we're not regular. Health, health was, was there a t-shirt made for that event? No, it, there wasn't a lot of t-shirts. And we didn't have the company sponsors and things like that. And I don't think we fully understood quite 
what it was, you had to catch a big a bus and then you had to catch, oh my gosh, there was, it's amazing how it all seemed to work out. It was, I did have a very good committee there and they all, we did have sponsorship. So I don't know why there wasn't for that. I haven't, don't remember anything about it. We should have. Have you been dragging your hash gear, your hash t-shirts from Jakarta and those places around the world with you? Uh, yes, I got there tons and tons of the things from all around the world. They are well-traveled. They in boxes. Yeah. Yes. If someone else is paying for the transport, then you tend to do that. You've been RA for different hashes and were there people that you think back, that's how you formed, how did you form your RA circle style? Any influencers? That's an interesting thing. I, I think the, probably the, yeah, mother's style. He was a good RA as well in Washington, eight, four. It was, that was probably my second hash, but that's so maybe I was impressionable, but he had a very witty, yeah. I think that was the cleverest that I've seen. And yeah, maybe the Jen Shan, they, they were pretty witty. They were clever, uh, yeah, bright people. What is your approach to running, running a circle as an RA? Ah, pretty severe. No talking or any of that stuff. Hats, no hats on the circle. And severe in as such as finding excuses to give down downs. Getting as many people as possible a down down and making sure that people are not being missed out because that can happen. Just the popular people or the easy targets are there. Making sure everyone gets somehow in there, even if it's below profile. Yeah, just making sure everyone is involved. Oh, yes, come to think of it, Batavia would be a, another good example of the RAs. But actually, the whole circle somehow seemed to look after it because everyone else was nothing anyone else. And there was, yeah, charges from the floor were all of those there. Yeah, embarrassing people that they'd been caught. But I always felt that it had to be, I didn't want to know about the sports and anything else or someone's favorite sporting team or anything outside of the hash. It had to be related to the hash. Otherwise, other things get dragged, politics gets dragged in and things. I, I don't know. That was, it, it ought to be, they ought to be about the hash. Yeah. Okay. Now there's quite a, hey, just pop your head in. Hey, Joe, look, there's a violet. Hey. I was kind of having trouble figuring who all these are. Great. Nice to see you too. Just to go back to work. All right. What the biggest difference in hash circles, every club's different and has different culture, but the difference between a circle at your local club where you know people, it's a routine and then circles at big events. Have you run circles at big events or what do you think about that? Because we end up having those circles. I've run a lot of yeah. circles. It's a completely different thing than doing it with you. Yeah. I can at least admire them. I, I, I was at the Euro hash recently and I was admiring how difficult. Fortunately, they had three or four are moving around, whipping, getting, because as you say, that they're, they're coming from different places. So they don't necessarily understand all the same systems. Uh, it's admiration. I've never had to do it. I mean, but the most we ever had was getting up to a hundred, 130 uh, and Chen Shan. Those were big circles. And of course. Uh, sometimes you get some very big circles too. I've never had to run anything like the 200. I, I'm not sure I, that would be very enjoyable. I think it's a, it's a labor of love for sure. How do you behave in a circle when you're not the RA? Oh, oh I, I've, I've done that. I'm currently in Auckland hash. It's a men's, uh, one of the, like the early traditional ones. Uh, and their style, we've changed the style a little bit, but 
I keep a pretty low profile if I can, but of course, just me can't always keep my mouth shut right as well. How long have you been back in Auckland? I've only been back here four years now. And it was quite interesting coming back here because in between times, I transitioned uh, from being a, a good husband and into being and get and with another male partner now and joining the Auckland hash, they had not ever heard that rule six had been not abandoned at all authorities because in one of the and they were still doing that, yeah, that rule six thing or rule three, whatever it is. And so I basically was, it was pretty yeah. nasty. And I had to say, if you want me to stay here, you're, you're going to have to accept the fact that the rest, I'd been RAs elsewhere, I've been GMs in many places. And I figured I'd been GM, well, I didn't, uh, five different hashes and people that there was no longer an issue. So then learning, they had to learn quite quickly. They had a committee meeting and decided, oh, maybe we need to be very careful here. And uh, so then I am now accepted, but it still slips through sometimes. And if it just slips through it, it's funny, but we've had some issues where one guy didn't get the message or didn't get the memo and, and cannot save himself from saying, calling someone a homo or something like that. They do the work themselves nowadays. They grab That's you've got to grow up. So what, what were some significant stops between Kazakhstan and getting back to Auckland? Ah, yes, yes. Of course, there was lots of stops in between Kazakhstan back to South Africa, as I ran with the Jacaranda hash, and that ran halfway between Pretoria and and Jakarta, not terribly successful. So. We tried to, and then we established our own prisoner of war, POW, hashing on Wednesdays, mm -hmm. Pretoria on Wednesdays, POW, it was the POW hash. We had a really good GM there and I was the RA and then eventually I became the RGM there too. Excellent runners there, small groups, but we had good weekends away as well. I think they could it. Who was that GM? Yes. It was a Moroccan and he was the number two in the Moroccan embassy. And I didn't think what it was. Gosh, I should have, I, you don't use the hash names now. It's the way we keep talking about it. Yeah. I think r realistically hashing up through those mid nineties, there's a lot of us that had no idea what the civilian names of people <laughs> we had known for a decade were. It's only Facebook that we know people's names, I think. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Where else? You've gone to Asia, South. Pacific, yep. all the way yep. North America, where else? Yeah, always coming back. And probably somewhere there I joined also, I was dignified enough to join the men's hash and, and I got invited to come along to their hashes as well. Uh, and DC, uh, the DCH3. Yeah, DC. And that was very interesting. Yes, it must have been just, yeah, because when we came back and we ran, said our run was, we actually got them the muds sent from Jakarta. They all got a mug at the end of the run. And so that definitely became the run of the year for them. They were just so pleased. And that was good. I enjoyed them too. It's a very different style. And it gives you a hint. I had run with the mother hash and that was equally disorganized and with no organization. Yeah, I, I had seen what these primitive hashes are like. Not when I say primitive, early hashes. And you do understand that there was a movement forwards and how we picked up bits and pieces. You get an idea. And I had met Cumberland Bill, yes. And the hashes are in during that. And I was getting a feeling of 
how big this really was and how significant it was around the world because I've already seen a lot of it and how, how welcoming people were too. So it became almost a church for me. Yeah. And my children also got to know people very well to the point where my son, I think, when it was time to go home, he would say, no, and everyone at Arnold's were going down to the pub. He would be the one now. say, no, that's on, go on now. You send my room and uh, you come with us. And he would sit up by the bar just there and very good friends. It was, so yes, yeah, so it definitely was a family thing. They understood it. People would help with the trolleys and the, uh, pulling things up over mountains and ice and snow and things. So your question follows, where next? Then to, oh, Romania and Bucharest. Finish. That was not as well established. It was a small hash and a little bit more difficult to, to run, but they were strong amongst themselves. But yeah, so it was a, one of those places where you have to hold your tongue and not recommend any new changes. They were happy with what they had. We did get onto television there. One of the guys came from a Nauvoo television. He was making a travel log, one of the travel log people, and he came down to run specifically on the hash that, that was on television for a while. For a while. That was about it there, from there to Australia. We didn't have to have go to language training for that one. Yeah. Which city? That's a big place. It's cooking hash all around the entire perimeter, sometimes in the middle. Yeah, of it is and the Canberra hash, the capital hash there. And there were some older gentlemen there who were well-known as well, part of the, uh, the global committees and things like that with establishing it. And that was good. I was allowed to be the RA there for a long time. And they had a tradition that only Australians would be the GM, but they allowed them. My predecessor was a New Zealander as well. So they allowed us to be RAs. And at the very end, they got together and they said, meet to please, you've met meat. He claims he is a New Zealander, but he's been living there for a long time. So he said he is the first New Zealander who'd been there, GM. That's probably true now. He corrected me. So I was the first New Zealander who actually was a Kiwi. <laughs> to be their GM there too, I claim. I was very, I was privileged. I, I took that as a compliment that they let me do that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm gonna, we'll get you and meet together in, in a couple of weeks and I have to yeah, have, we, battle this. Yes. Were you able to hash outside of DC, any of your stops while you're living in DC on those times? Ah, that's a nice question. There are a few who went just down the coast, but no, we, I don't think, I don't remember going to any. Oh, of course, I, I later moved to, uh, to Vancouver and ran on theirs, but that's Vancouver, uh, uh, Canada, not Vancouver, America. And I'm trying to think of it. No, I didn't go to any big runs there or anything like that. So how long did you live in Vancouver? By that time, I was separated. So now we were living in New Zealand. I do like winters. So we'd live in New Zealand in summer and then move every six months and move up there. We had an apartment there and then come backwards and forwards until COVID arrived and they wouldn't allow non-Canadians into the place during COVID. Wow. How did COVID affect hashing in New Zealand? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it, it stopped the one truly. Yeah, it, uh, and there were Auckland hash is one of those ones that's getting older and older. So there were quite a few older men who would not come even near the hash for fear of their health and things like that. And of course, the government was also discouraging a lot during lockdowns. Some of us, they, were, they did have a, this is where the runner's going to go and just run at any time during the day. You may just run past us 
or not. And if you run past us, like pop in for a, a drink or something like that, or we, we might have beer of can in our pockets, which we'll share on the hillside or something. So it was done that way. The people who like to count their runs were able to count, keep putting up their numbers of runs. I was never bothered about counting the number of runs. And I, to me, it was more the society than joining the people. That was more important than the number I'd run anywhere. Well, you still got to have a guess. How many trails? Yeah. You, can, you can be plus or minus 500. How many trails do you think you've been running? Oh, no, I think it'd be well, well up to 500. Yeah, it has to be. Because I definitely have three mugs with 100 on them, anyhow. So it was every week then. And when you're the RA or the uh, GM, you tend to be there every day, or, except on when you get the annual leave. But yeah, it has to be over five, I, I would say a thousand easily. Thinking back to COVID, and we've completely come out of it now, I think that whatever effect it had on hashing has taken place already. Does it yeah. seem like a long time ago or was COVID, how does COVID feel? Yeah. Yes, it seems like a long time ago. People have forgotten about it now. Yeah, everyone came back. In terms of personal lives, it had a major effect on for me and my partner, but not the hasher. Thing. No. He's not a hasher, so. Let's talk about the future of hashing. The issues are, we talk about aging, replacing aging out hashers and the different government, more imposition of where you can drink, drink driving laws, everything's changing and it's not changing in the direction that makes irreverent public behavior more accommodated. What do you think about the future of the hash? I think if you think back to 1986 and were dropped back in there, you'd recognize the hash. And, yeah. and, and so would those people, so would those people time machining ahead 40 years. But what about 50 years from now? Do you think the hash will be the same, recognizable, will it still be here? What do you think? 50 years, goodness me, I, I, I'm not going to be alive then. <laughs> no, I need to arrive, but what? What do we tell me 20 years ago? I can, I can think 20 years advance, perhaps. There are two very different things going on in the US and in Europe, particularly the US, let me say. It seems young, there's plenty of young people coming into it. Now, you, you may have a different point of view, but from what I had seen, some of the older runs were getting old, but they were working out, all right, there's the married people, then there's the hashes where you've got party up and, and, and are running from hotels, are running, sorry, from stations, uh, metro stations and things. And that's the matchmaking, looking for a partner things and party, good fun party stuff. So it's quite a nice way that that is working out because it's a double function thing. But in Auckland, I haven't seen that happen. There's so many other options and there's so many running. There are people running, there are people doing also that. And I right past my house sometimes in the morning. In Auckland, I know they got grumpy because the young people were drinking too much beer and they more than they were drinking. So that's actually chase them away. And also they're wealthier. So they can put up the fees and that's probably how they managed to get rid of younger people. So we have one person now who is under 50, perhaps, but that's it in Auckland. And they've tried though, but they don't like the idea of using Facebook or anything. So they're still very old away. Uh, they don't have a young heart. I don't know. I think that it's gonna, they're going to die, Auckland hash. And also a lot of Auckland hash and New Zealand hashes, they don't seem to be getting younger people. There's a few. It seems to me like 
Nelson has a, a younger heart down there, a crazier sort of system and a little bit more flexibility there. And they're moving in New Zealand and the US, I think yeah, it's, it's going strong. Taken a very different thing as New Zealand for the interhash when they saw all the hash names there, then the local community were very upset by that and we had to deal with that. For us, in terms of police and things like that, there's no problem. They still understand who the hash is. We can drink on the corners of the places and no one has ever stopped us. For the beer, the alcohol problem, there's plenty now in New Zealand. There's lots and I, I'm not, I'm sure it's also around the world. There's tons of very good zero beer options. And they're actually making all the options there, hazy pale owls and, and all those things, IPAs. So they're handling that and all the down, downs and down with a zero. And that probably is worse than having to drink beer, frankly. Yeah. I think they've handled that. They've handled the idea of being able to run anywhere we want. What's going on down in Queenstown is a little bit odd. And I think it's a very unusual place. Anyhow, it is a, a tourist resort area. I think there's tourist resort rules and regulations, but most of New Zealand, you can do pretty much what you want. So I don't think that's the running, the freedom of running and the freedom of singing in loud places and singing rude songs or whatever it is. I don't think that's been a problem so far. New Zealand's out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, not really that close to anywhere else, but we traveled yeah. to Kiwi Nash Ash. How many Kiwi Nash Ashes have you been? And that was the first one. Because I have oh, to be oh. Yeah, yes. I think it's the best time I've been in New Zealand when there was one here. Because I've only been back for years here, and, and then I'm only here for six months of the year. But it, it will be, if it's in summer, then I probably will be going to them. I did enjoy it, that's for sure. So you're going to be hashing in Vancouver regularly again for several months? No, no, no. We, we got rid of the apartment then. But we got back up for two years, and we weren't allowed in there. The, the whole condo uh, man management were mortified of the people who had been in there because we hadn't selected them. We lost two things. The Australian couple they had to quickly run back to Australia. They had a young couple of Canadians who thought they had a good job at the university and so happy. And then the university suddenly had no students. So they got dismissed as well. So we got the bottom of the barrel. We weren't there to pick them because we'd used up all our friends' goodwill. And they stayed and stayed. There was no way anyone could get rid of them until the end of COVID. Wow. We got well, what do you, but the place was shit. What do you do for the other six months a year then when you don't want to be at Auckland? I don't know. Now it's Europe. And so this year I went to Euro Hash and I went to the the Dublin uh, Irish Hash. Hash Hash as well. So that was good. It's, it's given me an excuse to go out and explore Europe now. You've covered a lot of the world. Is there any places you want to go visit? for hashing or just you haven't been yet? Ah, I enjoy hashing and, and I haven't seen much of Europe actually. Most of most of my working life was in places where, in developed places, you know, in places where either USAID or someone else needed help. So I'm actually discovering it. I'm not a very good tourist. Uh, I, I like living in places, but not popping through for 10 days or anything like that. I was looking at south of Portugal and that looked like a pretty good place to find a house and have a six-month house there. And nowadays, in the Algarve, there's some good airline connections now, international connections and things. Sure. So you can move in and out of there. Cool. Um, All right. That's a good... Can you imagine that 
the hash was inevitable for you, or if you hadn't found the hash, I guess your life would be quite different. Yeah, it's very odd. And I, and I gather it's quite usual that people do not run on their own, didn't know about Hash House Harry's in their own home, own country. It's only when they go overseas as expats working. And I guess they're desperately looking for connections. But I will say, boy, the thing I advise people when they're traveling overseas and you know, going to work overseas and stay for a while is join the hash. You're going to get the most honest reply of where to buy a car, where to do it, who does the best uh, television connections. It's honest and it's not biased. Whereas if you ask any market man, they're going to give you with the one they get the biggest profit from. And you're with a crowd of people who are going to look after you and make sure you're on good feet and they're going to tell you where. So I would say that is still, it's important. For me, it was a very important thing. And I can't imagine how we would have survived otherwise if I'm not very religious. Yeah, it is interesting. It's easy to be in a group and appreciate it and say, oh, there's nothing like this. But it really is hard to imagine another worldwide group that is like the hash, that has that safety, camaraderie, and kind of transparency. Yeah. I do worry a little bit about people who had 3,000 runs in this one hash. I admire it that they, they stuck in there, but um, uh, yes, it's a good number. But that means they didn't run anywhere else, anywhere in their life. There it is. We have them. And they are maybe the, the very basis of keeping those things going because they help hold their team together. They do get stuck, I think, in some of their, their traditions as well. And it's help, very healthy to see. That is, of course, the other beauty around the world. Every hash has its own style, its own traditions and things like that, particularly the more enlightened hashes around. Do you still sing the Violet songs? Friends who know what it's about do. And, but when I come into the circle, that's them who's meant to sing the song, not me. Instead of any, he's a hash of true and blue. We got Auckland to move on from, and with some of the, my friends who were delighted to have me there as a, another international person, so to speak. They were very pleased. At least they could get some more songs into the thing as opposed to the three songs that get sung on over and over again. So it's quite a bit different now. Things have changed a little bit in a very quiet sort of way. There's one more important question about hash traditions. Is the RA always right? But I'm assuming there's two RAs in this conversation, but yes, the RA, of course, or the DM is always right. But yes, I'm sure the RA does get it right most of the time. And I certainly had good luck with the weather, that's for sure. Now I'm not an RA. It rains every time I have a, a, a set of runs. Even when Higgins was there, he arrived here off the plane and came to I run. Raining like anything. So, I, yeah. yeah. But yes. Yeah. They don't call him master of disaster for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got a, and right now at this moment, you've got a hasher staying with you. She may have stayed with more hashers and had more hashers stay with her than anybody in the world. Yes, I'm beginning to get that feeling. I didn't know, I wasn't quite sure, but we met in both the two hashes, the, the, the Euro hash and also the uh, Irish hash. Yes, thank you, Irish hash. Yeah, so we're talking about Crotch Thumper. She yep. stayed, she, I've never been to her place in Kentucky, but she stayed with us here in Toronto. And okay, yeah, yeah she should pop her head in here. This, this yes. is, is within Schnauzer because she's one of the most widely known she is here. Yeah, I just, I, oh, yeah, just, yeah. Very, very yeah. widely known hashers. She okay. can hear me talking. 
No, she can't oh, hear me. Can't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah but, listen to one of those. Oh, <laughs> So we're uh, we're finishing up with Violet here, but I wanted to mention that you're staying with them because there's of the people on here this podcast, there's a good chance you've stayed with them or they've stayed with you. Yes. (laughs) I was just watching Megasaurus the other day and her, she was talking about her experience and it was, you know what? We have to interview this guy. Your stories are fascinating. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I was on a trail with Violet at the last Kiwi Nash hash and he fell down over an invisible something on the road and survived it okay nothing <laughs> okay I, I, i'm gonna the, the mess of my calls that's right that's uh, that is what yeah. happened all right anything else to add or i'll stop recording yep i think we've covered pretty much the world here let me just check my notes yes oh you, you did want to know had, had i ever had run run-ins with the law or anything like that and the only time we ever did do that was with the Washington H4 and we're sitting a run from our place down the river there. As you say, you can run from into beautiful rivers easily and then into housing lots, set it with flour, of course. And all the riders ran down and never came back. And we're waiting at the place. And eventually some people do come back. It turns out they were met by the police and the fire brigade furiously washing off this white stuff that someone had reported as laying, and I guess they thought was cocaine. And I can't imagine who would put cocaine on the ground whatsoever. Another option is that they thought we were poisoning dogs. So always I tell people, this is, and put the flower in my mouth and say, it's not poison. Even in New Zealand here, I, I let people know as I'm sitting in the runs. But yes, they definitely call the police and that's amazing. But that's it. Yeah, nothing. Okay. Yeah, that's a shared experience. I think white powder scares yes. is, is another one of the shared. Oh, let me ask you about one more thing is the tradition of red breast hashes. Where's the first time you encountered that? Do you remember? Or- oh, gosh. I think it was in, in Washington, D.C. And there was, yeah. And, but it wasn't very large. Yes, we, we all met up and indeed we caught the train. We caught the, we ran across the, Oh, the big area in front of the, uh, the uh, mall there. Along that, and then caught a train, caught a video underground up to Arlington. And got off there, yeah. but of course, everyone on the train is looking at all these people coming through and train up the train, because there were about three trains, people getting slow and catching. But still, only about three trains. It wasn't the same. When I came back later and there's thousands doing this, and I was a stag at the size of how, how big it is. And now you have to make bookings or something. You have to buy well ahead. Yeah. It's, it's shrunk. DC red dress has shrunk again. Uh, it, it peaked in the mid two thousand, early two thousands. Yeah. All right. And then some big thing. There'll be one, of course, at Interhash. Oh yes, there will be. And, and I'm sure that will be, yes, it's, again, it's sold out. I'm not sure how you can sell out a thing because. People can join from the side anyway, but and it's, but capacity, right. it's the capacity of the food and drink at the end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I've never seen them put little tags on your arm or anything like that. I've never seen them well, check to see. Be, I mean, we'll be doing that. They will be doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. H2O and I are helping out as hairs for the red dress. I've, I've done it. All right. All right. Yeah. So there's seven. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be 700 runners, I think. 
and they have to be in groups of 150 to 200. And they have to Queenstown, uh, by the time we publish this, people will have survived the event, but Queenstown will be an inter- Some people talk about different religious states that restrict hashing. I think Queenstown will be a whole new level. Will be. And I will say that I think this is a bit like the situation, even with the original hash and Rotorua, when they heard that the 2,000 people were coming there and the amount of beer that would have been ordered in consumption and that it was going to be in there, the police canceled all leave from all the police in the whole of the Taranaki area, and they all had to be there thinking that a rugby mass group, they hadn't ever heard of the soccer in those days, but not in New Zealand, but they had heard about rugby guys drinking, and that's what they thought. But again, I don't think they have any perception of what a hash is. There's no hash in, in Queenstown, is there? Is there any no. Uh, indigenous? No. No. So they've never seen a red dress. They've never seen just people running around like this or anything. Yeah. All right. You and Crotch Thumper enjoy. Take care of each other. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time, too, for getting all this out to organize. To close the circle, here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, Oh.